The reason we named her Makina, it stands for, in Spanish, it is the machine. If you're following along with us on our social platforms, and if you're listening closely in the background of this podcast, you probably will know quickly that uh, we have a new addition to our pack. Um, our English setter puppy has arrived. We've had her now for a couple weeks. Um, she'll be, let's see, she on the second, she was eight weeks. So if I look at my calendar here, we picked her up. So it's been nine weeks, 10 weeks. She's about 10 and a half weeks. Um, which is crazy because feels like we've had her longer than that. Um, we just got done recording a podcast. Um, ben and I did with uh, a guy um, for his podcast that we'll be sharing with you here recently. And we talked a little bit during that. He's got a setter puppy as well. So we discussed that um, for a large amount of, of that time. And his is eight months old. And so one of the things that came up was how interesting it is eight months old is only six months ago that he got it as a eight week old puppy. So amazing how quickly time flies. Um, I'm looking down at her right now. She's on place next to me. Um, when I said you might hear her, she is a little unsettled right now. Just let her out. Um, in between podcasts, I let her out, she went to the bathroom, brought her back in, put her on place. It's where she's spending the majority of her time, um, on place and in her kennel. Um, no different, I would say, than what we typically are doing with our retrievers. So, but one of the things I was going to talk about in today's episode is her name. And the reason is because so many people have asked about it. Um, we have had a limited amount of posting that we've done on her. We've done a very limited amount of videoing or or um, recording or documenting her training. We do plan on doing a full series with her. Um, I've gathered small tidbits uh, along the way uh, to get to the point where we're at right now. We probably are going to start formally putting a little bit more effort into the documentation of it. Um, it'll all be part of the story. But um, quite honestly, things have been pretty busy um, in our life, uh, not only by adding this puppy. Um, our family's going through some challenging times. We've, we've, uh, we, had, we lost a loved one. Um, if you've ever dealt with suicide before, I had never, um, and we are currently dealing with it. Um, it's not something I would wish on anyone, but it is something that I haven't talked about at all. Um, it's, we've kicked it down the road here from a podcast standpoint, and I'm not going to talk in depth on it at this point either, um, uh, because it is quite honestly, um, something I don't know anything about, um, that became very clear to me over the last few weeks. And so um, my role in trying to figure out ways to support my family, try to figure out ways to support my wife in particular, um, and, and get through some really, really challenging times um, is not something that I'll necessarily hide, but it's not something I feel real comfortable talking about in depth right now because I just don't know enough. So, um, but it's, it's something that's out there and I'm not gonna hide it either. Um, so we have we have dealt with 
some challenges on that front. But then you can probably tell um, I'm a little more nasally than I normally am. I, I can't stand my own voice, uh, to be honest. I feel like I'm super nasally at all times, and I'm really nasally uh, when I get sick. So uh, as everybody knows, guy can't hardly have a cold these days without look, getting looked at funny. So do I have a cold? Yeah, for sure. Um, have I had one for a while? Yeah. Is it more than a cold? Maybe. I don't know. Um, the the reality, and we're not going to talk about, we're not going to get into depth regarding uh, sicknesses, illnesses, COVID talk anyway, but um, we went to, I, I did get kind of sick um, shortly after, um, sh shortly before New Year's. Um, so did my whole family and a lot of people around us. Um, I don't know if I had, if I had, if I had an actual diagnosis of, of positive testing or not, I don't know, didn't take a test. So, um, but got through that, went and did, um, a trade show. We did the ATA show recently, which was a phenomenal show. Uh, great show for us. Archery trade association is what it's called. It's for our business. Um, we, we were a vendor there. Um, best show we've ever had. So like a lot of people have heard different things about trade shows, especially the ATA show. For companies like ours, it was it was great. Um, we got a lot of really positive things done uh, at that show. So you hear another little moaner and a grunter in the background here. That's my Ellie girl. Um, Ellie is due actually. We've got some, like there's all sorts of stuff going on around here. Um, Ellie is due on the 28th. Um, we did breed her back to the AI breeding that we did with Spry last this last year. Um, and so I'm excited about that. Uh, but it's just, there's this a lot, you hear the puppy on the bed next to me. There's a lot of things going. And so one of the things, this is a little bit of a catch up on, on some things that are going on with us, uh, but more so we're gonna focus on our little Makina. And so when I say Makina, that is quiet, girls. Makina is, um, or Makina is the little English setter puppy that we've brought in. Um, her, that is her name. I don't know that I'm pronouncing it properly, but I'll share with you why I, I may be mispronouncing it. So the reason we named her Makina, it stands for, in Spanish, it is the machine. And so Makina is there's a book um, called For Whom the Bell Tolls, written by uh, Ernest Hemingway. And I'm not a reader, not much of a reader at all, have read very few books in my life. Um, but I listen to books and I enjoy more recently, um, I've been learned to realize, man, there's a lot of good books out there. And I'm not gonna read them, but I do spend a lot of time in the truck and it's easy for me to get an Audible app and listen to them. So one of the books that I listened to in the last few years is For Whom the Bell Tolls. Um, I really enjoy Hemingway's writing. I, I like the um, stuff that he writes about, particularly things that I can connect to. And so some of those are um, when he writes about the UP. He writes about early on uh, when he was a boy. He spent a lot of time up there. He did a lot of trout fishing up there. And so I've fallen in love with some of those stories. Uh, For Whom the Bell Tolls is not about the UP, but it um, is a really good story. And in that book, he talked, the, the Spanish are talking about um, these freedom fighters are using the Machina. 
And do you have the machina? And they use this word over and over and over. And it kind of got one of these things where I listened to it and they say it so many times in the story, it just became ingrained in my head. Um, it stands for in the story, the machine gun. And real translation is the machine. So for us, we got this puppy, um, been waiting for her for several years. Uh, finally did get her. She's exactly what we hoped for. Uh, she's a beautiful little tri-colored English setter from Northwoods Bird Dogs. Jerry Coulter, Betsy Danielson, just fantastic people. Um, really, really the kind of people that I want to do business with. And so the, the, it goes down to the dogs that they're breeding. Um, it translates down to that. And these dogs are, um, I think, the fit that I'm looking for for myself. I do think I've always talked about how you got to match that up. Um, I Primarily, our, our purpose with her is going to be grouse hunting, woodcock, um, the uplands uh, on foot. So we're, we're going to hunt by our cabin where you know I've spent a lot of time the last few years and really enjoyed. So um, it's the next, it's, it's also a challenge for me because um, I want to improve as a dog trainer. And so one of the things, one of the ways I think that allows me um, to get better is to experience new things. Um, when we do training workshops in the spring, which we'll have those dates announced here very quickly, um, we have finalized them. When we have those dates announced for the workshops, we'll, we'll have people sign up for them from all across the country and they'll bring lots of different breeds and they'll bring lots of different ages and they'll all have different stories. And I become a better trainer because of workshops. And part of it is because I learn a lot. Um, having the opportunity to work with these different dogs is part of that. And so me owning a different dog is going to be a, a good opportunity for me to become a little bit more open to changes, a little bit open, more open to differences um, to in approaches. I still am going to probably do things differently than, and I don't think I do it. I, I don't think there's any, um, real difference when it comes to training Labradors. I definitely do it differently than, than a lot of folks do. And I don't think it's right or wrong. Uh, it is just different and that's okay. And so when it comes to the pointing dogs, I don't intend on using a collar, no different than I don't use a collar with the retrievers. Um, my interest will be in seeing how that, how, how I do it. Um, I'll be real curious to, and I'm writing a, a a column for Gundog Magazine on this as well. So it's going to be, you're going to be able to follow along with that this year. Um, but it's, it is going to be a really interesting experience. Um, I'm looking forward to it on lots of levels. Um, back to the naming of her. So her name is going to be Northwoods Moors, which is always, we always prefix our dogs with Moors. Um, so it'll be Northwoods Moors Machina Point. So Northwoods Moors Machine Point. Uh, direct translation, but we're going to call her. We were going to call her Mac. Um, I'm not real big on Mac for a boy's name because I feel like there's a lot of them out there, and I don't always like to do the same thing as everybody else. So I, but I think Mac M A C for a little girl dog is kind of cute. Uh, we discussed it as a family. Um, Machina is the going to be the formal name. But what we found is that not unplanned, um, our little one, Lillian, who's turning three this weekend, human, not dog, she 
pronounces machina very interestingly, um, real strongly. Um, and so we're going to, we have been calling her that. We haven't really, the, the Mac hasn't really stuck. The, the shortened name hasn't stuck. So will it? Eh, maybe. Um, the reasoning, the second reasoning for Mac goes a little bit deeper is that Mac is also the short for Gordon McQuarrie, who is another author that I really like. And Gordon McQuarrie um, is from Wisconsin, writer, northern Wisconsin, one of the original outdoor writers, if you will. Um, born in 1900, died in 1956. If you don't know Gordon McQuarrie's work, I highly recommend it. Uh, stories of the Last Duck Hunter, more stories of the Last Duck Hunter, the last stories of the Duck Hunter, whole bunch of them like that. The sire of Makina, his name is Northwoods Sir Gordon. <coughs> Coincidentally, no connection. Uh, I have connected with the owner of Northwoods Sir Gordon, really nice guy out of Minnesota. Um, we've talked quite a bit. He's actually pretty interested in possibly getting a Labrador from us at some point down the road. So, but real nice guy. <coughs> um, his dog was not named after Gordon McQuarrie, but it was instead named after a friend of his that was real influential in getting him started grouse hunting years ago. So we have Gordo, who Gordon, who is the, the sire, <coughs> Gordon McQuarrie, whose nickname, pen name or author nickname was Mac. So that was the connection to Mac if we end up going with Mac. So right now we've got Northwoods Moore's Machina Point, which is my little pointing machine and direct translation and we have been leaning on calling her Makina. Um, some call it Makina, some say Makina, some say it in different ways, but that is right now the route we're going with her name. So it'll be interesting to see. We're look, I'm looking forward to sharing the training more than uh, the backstory of the name, but the backstory of the name, a lot of people have asked, what are you calling her? And I said, well, that's where it gets complicated. It's not quite so simple as just saying Makina. And so maybe it could have been, but I'm rarely that simple. So those, and, and you know, does the name really matter? Um, no, I don't think so. I, I, yes and no, I guess. I think that what's interesting, like for me, it'd be, I guess, like asking, does it matter what you name your kids? I do think it matters. Um, Lillian Teresa Moore is named after my great grandma and her grandma, Steph's mom, so who, who passed away uh, about 15 years ago now. But so, yeah, I do think the name is really important. Lillian is carrying on her great grandma's name and her grandma's name, or it'd be her great great grandma's. So the name is important. And I think it's um, something that there's always a story behind everything. And I think sometimes um, it's a reminder for me to realize that everybody's got these stories, and everyone. And it, in I, I think that putting some thought into it ahead of time is important. Um, for us, it was a family thing. We kind of enjoyed the process of naming the dog. In the end, does it make or break the dog? Not at all. Um, but I do think it's kind of a cool twist on it, and I think it's. Um, there's stories behind so many things that we oftentimes overlook. And so I think you can, you can keep things as simplistic or as complicated as you want. Um, I also think it tells a lot about one's personality. So 
we have a meaning behind everything we're doing. I think that can translate into our training. There should be meaning behind everything we do in our training. Don't just do stuff to do it. Um, when it comes to the dogs, understand the implications that what you do is what it turns into, is what's going to turn it into what, what it is. And so for us, right now with her, she is, we've had her for almost three weeks. Um, and she's very much lived a pretty simplistic life. Uh, place training, kennel training. She's been super quiet in the crate, which has been very nice. She's traveled with us quite a bit. Um, she spends 90% of her time or more either right next to me right now on this bed, which is what she's doing. She settled in very nicely, especially once Ellie left. You know, I think it's an interesting dynamic. Cultural impacts are very important. And I've sent, put some pictures up of her laying there with dogs laying in the background quietly. Well, Ellie was antsy and moaning and whining and kind of I, she had to go to the bathroom i think and so this little puppy didn't settle that whole time she was antsy she'd get up she'd hear her moaning well as soon as i let ellie out and restarted recording this this little puppy curled up and if i showed you a picture of her right now you'd go ah because she's just curled up on her bed sleeping and so i do think that this it, the the this is an example of the importance of and the value of cultural impacts on how we how we raise our dogs and so we're you know I'm, I'm am i running into some struggles yeah am i doing some things that are um, real advanced not at all are other people doing things more advanced with their dogs that are younger than mine for sure um i'm a believer in starting out and working your way through and getting to the end without major herky-jerky movements and so um you know for me I have used a little bit of kibble to try to work on recall because quite honestly, she's not real warm and fuzzy when it comes to finishing out coming to me. Like she'll come to me and then she stands very staunch. She almost like stands like in a woe position. She's not pointing anything, but she stands very, very pretty high tail. Um, looks like a painting of a setter. I mean, it just, so I'm looking at that and going, huh, that's natural to them. That's natural to her anyway. And so, but when she comes to me, I can't quite get her to finish up and cuddle with me. She doesn't want to come in and get cozy with me. Now, if I pick her up and I hold on to her, she snuggles right in. But if she's got the freedom and her feet are on the ground, I can't get her to truly come into me. So I've used a little bit of food to get her to start understanding that he's pretty good. He's a pretty good guy. I say that because I'm going to be honest with you and that's one of the things I'm doing. I'm 100% not getting her uh, clicker trained or working on like marking behaviors and, and I, because I've seen dogs that are her age or younger that are doing some really impressive things, but they're so, um, it's so, I don't want to call it spastic, but it's like, it's super in control, out of control, in control, out of control, in control, out of control. And so I think what, what I'm what I'm thinking about, this this dog has given me an opportunity to think about a little bit more is the reason I think sometimes I try to do it the way we do it is because I try to stay a little bit more in the middle than on the extreme one way or the other. And so bear, stick with me on this. So one of the things that I've seen and, and thought about a little bit is do I want, from a treat training perspective, am I missing out on something by giving by by giving up on it, by giving out 
on doing it. Not I, I don't do it. So am I missing out on a lot? And I do think that I don't get as good of a quick start. I know I, I just know that. But what I'm looking at it is, in the end, or to- later down the road, I don't feel like I'm going to have to work real hard to regain control. So, like, I, I think it comes down to, and control, I think, is the important part of this. Figuring out how to maintain control with the dog. I think that's that's a real important part of our training. So... What I don't think the best way of doing it is, is to lose the control in order to have to try to figure out how to regain it. And one of the things that I see with some of the stuff from a treat training perspective is you have really good control for about a split second when you give them the food. But when you take the food away, I don't know that you have any more control than I do. And so, in fact, I think you might have less because I think it creates a little bit of a mental thing in the dog um, that's sporadic in, in its way it's thinking. That's my observation. So instead of, I, I do, I am gonna use this food to try to shape the idea of understanding that they should come to me. Like they should come all the way to me. And I think what I'm trying to do is take away doubt of when I come to him, what happens next? Now I don't want them to think when I come to them, I get a piece of food. Because as soon as you take the food away, I don't think we have that power anymore. I don't have that control. I lost I lost what I gained. So I don't want to become dependent on it. What I do, so how do I combat that is I'm going to start using the kibble to shape the behavior of coming to me, but then it's going to be substituting the kibble for simply, hey, I'll give you a pet on your chest. I'll, my dog's, this dog's real interesting, doesn't like to be petted on the top of her head. So when I go to reach to pet her on the top of the head, she jumps backwards. And we'll show, I'll show that in some of our videos. But what we need to do is, I need to do is get her to start understanding that she needs to come to me. And then when she comes to me, there might be a piece of kibble or there might be me reaching out and petting her chest. And eventually I want, above all, the reason that she comes to me is because I said you should come to me. And so I gave you this command of here. And when I say here, and she comes and walks over towards me, and gets close enough that I can reach out and touch her, there's no doubt in her mind of what's he going to do next. It's just going to be, he's going to tell me I'm good. And so now I think if I can get that to happen, I think the dog will start to respect me a little bit more with the idea of he said, come here, I should go over there. It'll be good. He'll praise me. He'll pet me. He'll tell me I'm good. And then we'll go do something else that he'll ask me to do. Instead of, I'm going to run over there with this idea of mouth wide open, bump, bump, bump my hand and give me some food. Like I just don't, because I think that's an extreme too far to one direction, which I think is why we have to figure out ways later some that style of training has to figure out ways later of figuring out well how do you combat that loss of control without the food because you can't always give them food i mean gun and this is this is this is real the real important part for this is for me the idea of handling dogs in the field like at a distance treats just don't work like you can't you can't physically 
treat the dog. You can't physically be marking the behavior with a clicker and giving them a piece of kibble at distances that we ask them to, to do things when it comes to field work. That's where I feel like people struggle and re relate back to the idea of, well, how do I get control at a distance? And now all of a sudden they start talking about collars. It's the opposite. It's instead of marking behaviors and treating, it's putting pressure on and I, I personally think creating a little pain, creating a little discomfort. And so to me, that's on a, that one leads to the other. And I think they're too extreme. That's just my feeling on it. So instead, I'm, I'm going to be behind. I'm going to take my 11-week-old dog and I'm going to figure out a different way to try to get her to come to me. Uh, and, and in the meantime... I'll put her on a little slip lead when I take her out to the bathroom and I know I don't have time to try to figure out how to coax her back. So I have started to do that. Take her out with a collar, get a lead, let her do her business, bring her back in when I need to, don't have time. I do that about one out of five or six times she goes out to the bathroom. The other four or five times, I go out there knowing she's probably not recalling to me that great. So I got to figure out ways to walk past her. I need to figure out ways to walk up to her and have her dodge me and want to hide from me. And then I just walk away from her. And I realize, no, I'm not here to play chase. I'm not here to catch you. I'll get down on the ground. I'll encourage her to come to me. I'll walk back to the house. I've done this enough now that a couple times I've come back into the house and went into the house and she wasn't hesitant to get on the porch. She, she knew the next thing it is, is she got to go in the house. So she didn't want to get up on the porch. So she gets right to the edge of the porch and then she's, and there's a stare down. And in my life, in my, in those moments, I've been, I know I've, my reaction would have been, well, go get her. And now I just, I walk inside and I close the door. And the next thing she knows, you know, she's over looking in the window of the door going, I'd like to come in too, because it's pretty damn cold out right now. So instead of me figuring out how to, snag her and catch her because I could for the last couple of weeks I probably could catch her and I was tempted to but I know that in the next two weeks I won't be able to she's just gonna be too fast for me so I need to figure out how to start bridging that now we're already talking two weeks down the road she's gonna be 11 12 13 weeks old and I'm gonna be working on figuring out how to get her to come inside where a lot of people are going well by that time we're you know you should be a lot further down the road I'm not so worried about it where where we end up getting. I think we'll get where we need to get. It's just, I'll figure out how to get there at her pace. And I'll figure out how to hopefully avoid some of the potential issues on that could happen between now and then. So we'll see. I'm excited to share this with you. I'm excited to share the journey with you. We're going to... We're going to get past uh, the last few weeks. We're going to get back into a little bit of more of a routine when it comes to filming. Uh, the guys and I have, have are developing and working on a plan that way. Um, so I'm excited to do that and share that with you. And I'm excited to get back into the routine with me and her. I'm looking forward to sharing um, just how long and boring the process can be. Um, and, and, and that's good. And that's actually in a good way. I think a lot of times uh, we, we think of, you know, I've thought of how do I get better viewing? 
How do I get more viewers? How do I please more people? I do think about that stuff. But what I've come to find, and, and it's because of your guys' support and feedback, is that's you. there's plenty of other options for you out there if you wanted to see that. Um, that's not what I... That's not the thing that I can do to bring you the best value. So our stuff will be a little boring. Our stuff will be a little bit more uh, less well-produced. Our stuff will be a little bit just more um, probably regular than, than exciting. And that is the way I train the dog. And so the best way for me to be able to truly share that with you is to be honest and to be to be. Um, real transparent and real, real truthful with it. And that's how we're going to do it. So uh, I appreciate you guys listening. You heard the story of Makina. So you'll start to, we'll see. I mean, will we call her Mac? Will we call her Makina? I don't know. Uh, it, it's one of those things that I also think that some of the best names for stuff we've come up with, whether it be series of training videos or anything, uh, some of the best names have come because they kind of named themselves. And so I think that for us to work so hard to figure out what we're going to name this, we really want to name this dog this, but the name kind of the dog kind of names itself at times too. So will it be Makina? It might be. We'll see. So thank you guys for your support. I really appreciate it. Do me a favor if you're listening uh, and you haven't, could you leave please leave us a review on whatever uh, app you're listening to um, this on and if you'd uh, leave a review as well that would be great we really appreciate that support it does uh, the, the great favor that it does for us is it allows us to better understand what we're doing well what we're not doing well and it also allows for us to better get it to people that potentially need it it's the best way for us to grow from an organic standpoint so i appreciate your help with that please do that if you get a chance thank you so much mm -hmm.